slaves of the global plantation and hermaphrodites. The Vinnie Eastwood show is bad news. It's like the news, but worse. It's the lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinnie Eastwood show. We're the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state run by child-trafficking Satanists. Is Vinnie's jokes. And my very, very special guest, and usually everybody's a very special guest, but this guy's got two varies on there, is Larkin Rose, the author, the uh, activist, and uh, somebody I saw in a documentary a long time ago made by Aaron Russo called America from uh, Freedom to Fascism, which was uh, one of the uh, many uh, prime inspirations for why I actually got into this line of, could you call it work? Could you call it a life purpose? I don't know what you call it exactly, but I got into it uh, in part because of uh, that documentary and, and people like Larkin Rose who do exactly what somebody should do. The right thing, using their own talents and their capacity to do whatever it is they can do. And Larkin seems to have done just about all there is that he can. Larkin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Choice, bro. Uh, now, we have a, a new documentary, sorry, sorry, new movie uh, coming out uh, at the moment uh, called Jones Plantation. Would you be able to tell people a little bit about that and uh, what the inspiration was for it? Well, originally, I think it was 10 or 12 years ago, I did a short little animated thing, it's like 10 minutes long, called The Jones Plantation. Uh, it didn't even count as animated. It was sort of some still images and a narrator telling a story. And it basically uses the allegory of a slave plantation in, like, antebellum south in the United States, back when the slavery was, like, overt and in your face. Um, and back then, I just, I don't even, it was so long ago, I don't even remember the specifics. It just occurred to me. That's a really convenient allegory to use, because if you just tell people, like, you're enslaved, you're being mistreated, you're voting for your abusers, you know, all the stuff that's totally true, it goes directly against their indoctrination. And they go, no, or they represent us, and they yada, yada, yada. But if you can show a story that they don't have to directly relate to, it's some other time, it's some other place, or it's fictional – then I find that they're a lot more able to think about it. So it used that allegory to walk through the the basic plot was there's old school slave master who's, you know, I own people and I whip them if they don't do what I say, but that causes them to get upset and like want to revolt or run away. And along comes Mr. Smith, who's a consultant of sorts um, who shows up and, and consults with Mr. Jones on how to more effectively enslave his slaves and get more productivity out of them and make them far less resistant and less likely to revolt or run away or, or all that stuff. So the original animated version walks through a few different things, and that was shared. I think it has over a million views by now. But a few years ago... Um, guy named Andrew Treglia was interviewing me down in Mexico about a completely unrelated thing. And in our discussion back and forth talking about 
authoritarianism and all that fun stuff, he brought up the fact that, like, now it's a different kind of slavery. And I said, yeah, as it happens, I made a little video about that years ago. And he watched it. And it was actually his idea to, first it was his idea to make a short out of it. And we quickly both realized this isn't going to fit in a short. And he said, what if we make a live action feature film out of this? And my immediate response is, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Because that allegory gives so much room to cover so many different concepts and tell them in a way that sort of flies under the radar for most people so that they can see it in the setting of a fictional story, which sadly isn't as fictional as some might think, um, and then think about it and then notice the parallels and all that. So you, so you mentioned the word years ago and then mm-hmm. several years of, of writing the script and rewriting it and Andrew just pulling off miracle after miracle. And we funded the thing with a, a Indiegogo campaign and and Andrew actually piled a, a decent chunk of his own money in it because it's like, we can't make it with this. And then we shot it down on two former slave plantations um, down in Mississippi and Louisiana. And uh, to make a long, <laughs> ridiculous story short, at least for this answer, um, now we have a movie called Jones Plantation, and it's at jonesplantationfilm.com. And so far, I'm... I'm thrilled with how pro-freedom people watch it and go, oh, that's so awesome, but kind of, okay, that's nice, but that isn't what changes the world. I'm more thrilled watching the reaction of normal people who watch it and are kind of traumatized a little bit. They enjoy it. It's entertaining. They say they liked it, but then it makes stuff rattle around inside their head that they're not quite sure about, and that was exactly my goal is entertain them but leave some ideas in there that are going to rattle around and that they can't get away from. And that when they go out into the real world and see what's going on, I want them to keep remembering little bits and pieces of the movie and go, Oh yeah, this is that, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's, that's this. I remember this. That's why our tagline is we all live on Jones plantation Mm -hmm. um, in case it wasn't blatant enough for the people who watched it. So that's, the not particularly short answer to the question. You, you mentioned the word parallel in uh, what you're saying there, and my listener, probably one of my longest uh, sponsors, uh, Chris, he watched the movie, and that was the word that he came up with over and over. He sees the parallels between our world and the world of the film. And for myself, watching it, um, I'm a big movie buff. And I think the last time I got a jolt and I kind of, I'm looking at the street and I'm looking at the world in a totally different way, uh, was back in 1999 when I watched uh, The Matrix uh, in, um, in Auckland. So we'll be talking about this more after the break, ladies and gentlemen. My very special guest, very, very special guest, is Larkin Rose. And we'll be right back. JonesPlantationFilm.com is the website. We'll be right back. What 
would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive! Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my Ease-Off? Go to easeoff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows too. Ease off LLC, Summersville, Missouri, 417-932-6419. Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now, but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then common core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge. And knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show that's all about being enslaved. It's the Vinnie Eastwood Show. And my very special guest, uh, Larkin Rose, has uh, uh, so kindly uh, come here to join us to talk about his new film, The Jones Plantation, which, in my opinion, is the best, most mind-bending, uh, uh, fantastic film uh, since 1999's The Matrix. And uh, it... I remember, Larkin, watching that scene where he first brings out the credits of how he's going to pay them. It was that moment when I went, 
this is brilliant. <laughs> so good, man. So good. Yeah. Go ahead. There are so many different things that, that we wanted to, to jam into this thing that the, you know, a lot of people, the, the, the challenge of making a, a movie is, well, how do we have like enough content to fill up a whole movie? And in my first rough draft of the script, it was like, this is awesome. It's also going to be three hours long. So you have to hack out a lot of this. So our challenge was just boiling it down to what are the things that we're simply not going to, you know, leave out. They have to be in here. And so we, we cover so many different things. But one of the ones that was definitely, at, you know, high up that we were not going to skip is the, the whole monetary policy of the Jones Plantation of making that stuff up. And again, it's one of those things where if you if you tell a simplified version of the deception in the setting of a fictional story, people can go, oh, that's clever. And they would do that. And it would probably work because these, you know, poor, uneducated slaves, they're not going to know any better. You're paying them nothing. You're doing this sleight of hand trick and keeping them enslaved. But they think now they're getting paid. Now they think they're paid workers. And then hopefully they go out into the world and they start looking at the currency and go, wait a minute. Um, and so that that was definitely one of the things that we, we had to have in there. Um, and, of course, democracy is a big one that we just <laughs> totally hammer on because these – and it's Mr. Smith is the consultant, and he just comes right out and says, you know, knowing these tactics, the, the people, the masters of this – of you know these arts have been pulling the strings of the world forever and it's totally true and i want people to be able to see the simplified version because you know what the federal reserve does is a lot more complicated than just well we'll just print them and give them to them there's like 17 layers of well this bank loans this bank money they didn't have and then this one takes a fraction of that and moves it over to some other place and then it's all zeros and ones in computers and and your head explodes but it's still essentially the same fraud. And if people can see and understand the simple version, then they can go, wait, how close is how close is this to real life? And then if they want to dig in and read like the creature from Jekyll Island or whatever else and find out the complicated real version. Um, and there's a lot of that in this movie, because to try to explain the actual details of every scam would take, you know, hundreds of hours, which is one. Uh, one thing I, I thought was uh, about the uh, the Satan worship. Could you explain a little bit about that? That that was a thing that that I went back and forth with with Andrew, the director, on because I didn't want it to be sort of the punchline that people go, "Oh, he's bad because dark occult stuff." But I did want people to to totally consider the thing because so many people at least want to imagine that. Well, the politicians are sort of self serving and they're sort of corrupt, but. They're not complete monsters. And I wanted that inclusion for them to consider, uh, yeah, maybe they are. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't want that to get in the way of the people who sort of aren't ready to consider that stuff. So it's almost sort of a side thing. We mention it, we show it, just to creep people out a little bit. But then the actual mechanics of the tricks and, and the deceptions they do – they aren't really about that. Like they would work whether or not the people at the top are that psychotic. And I think there's sort of different levels of what people are ready for. And a lot of people, it's really damn scary 
for them to consider the possibility that the big powerful machine that they think is there to protect and serve them is run by people that demented and insane, not just a little bit corrupt, not just self-serving, but like genuinely profoundly evil. So they can like decide whether to even consider that, but they'll still see the examples and, and see the tricks and how they work. And maybe down the road they can go, are they really that deranged? Is it that intentional and sadistic and all that? So at one point it wasn't in the script. And then there was a longer version um, that Andrew wrote some of. And I was like, I don't want it to feel like that's the whole focus. Because that'll turn some people off. Because they'll go, oh, well, this is ridiculous. Obviously this isn't reality. But I did want to leave enough in for the people ready to think about that and go, is that reality? Yeah. Mm, indeed. And we'll be right back after the break with Larkin Rose, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. This is the Vinnie Eastwood Show on the VinnieEastwoodShow.com. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shiloji hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shiloji Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilaji as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilaji by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilaji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilaji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. What if Extendivite really works, but you find that hard to believe and you spend precious time looking for someone to say, just try it. I have my help today because of Extendivite, and if I did not take a leap of faith and try it, well, I would be on disability today. Take one bottle of Extendivite as suggested for 60 days to find out for yourself. No need to stop any other meds you may be on. You know by now that they are not working for you. Before the 60 days are up, I know that you will feel Extendivite working for you and will want to take another bottle. Life is too short. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Over. 
The secret to aging like fine wine is in the vines. Syrah grape seeds and skins contain high levels of flavonoids and resveratrol. Fermentation breaks these organic compounds down into smaller molecules, penetrating these therapeutic ingredients deeper into the skin, delivering faster and more effective results. Our handmade fermented skincare products are formulated with all natural ingredients and do not contain any phthalates or parabens. Similar products can cost as much as $180. At Natural Earth Medicine, we source our ingredients from local Arizona vineyards and cold process our oils to ensure that our customers receive the highest quality product in its purest form. Learn more at our website and try our fermented skincare products today. Visit naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show that's all about getting your Luftwaffe aloft. It's the Vinnie Eastwood Show, broadcasting live on Republic Broadcasting Network, at least until the end of November when we're doing the uh, final show on the network. And we will be moving uh, to Ground Zero Radio uh, with Clyde Lewis uh, on that date. I want to thank uh, Republic Broadcasting uh, for giving me this slot uh, for uh, most of this year. It's been a really uh, great time, great crew, excellent advertisers, and uh, frankly, I'm, I'm, I was just honoured to be part of the network uh, for any period of time. My very special guest, very, very special guest is... Larkin Rose, maker of the, well, the writer of the Jones Plantation at jonesplantationfilm.com. Now, I would highly recommend this, literally as somebody who's seen thousands and thousands of movies and can quote films at will. Uh, mind me now and, and, and listen to the words I'm saying. This might be one of the most important films ever made in terms of the consciousness of humanity catching on to the fact that we live in a global plantation. And I am, uh, for one, as a film buff, and for two, as a truther, extraordinarily grateful that people actually put their money where their mouth is, made the effort, and used their creativity and their uh, supreme will and intelligence to will something like this into existence where it cannot just be forgotten as a idea that you had when you had a whiskey last night might do larkin welcome back thank you so much for your time thanks for having me so can you uh, please give us a uh, you, I, we're clear of all the inspirations and all of this, but but about you, what did you do uh, personally in order to get into all of this? Because I recall the uh, Aaron Russo's film uh, America from Freedom to Fascism. Would you be able to explain people a, a little bit about that? Who you are, where you come from, what what motivated you into this in the first uh, place in terms of this realm of thought? Yeah, many many years ago. Seems like a different lifetime. Um, 
I already liked to argue and I already liked to debate and I was sort of raised sort of libertarian-ish, constitutionalist leaning and getting into the, what I'm what I was well known for for among a bunch of people is the tax thing and finding out that the federal government totally lies about what their own tax laws say. Now that for me it wasn't a protest. The people who protest it and say I'm not paying this cuz it's evil and it funds evil things. Yeah, they're totally right. Doesn't mean they're safe from the extortionists, but they're totally right. But that's not what I did. Um, and so when when Aaron Russo was making freedom to fascism, he did an interview with me, like he did an interview with a bunch of people, and I got into that. Now a lot of people who learned about my adventures with the federal extortion racket uh, first, which ended up with them sticking me in federal prison for just over a year for a misdemeanor <laughs> was a lot of those people assume that that's what sort of made me into a voluntarist or the scary word for it is anarchist somebody who doesn't believe in government at all i already had become a voluntarist by accident basically by logically whittling down government to the moral perfect government and realizing that isn't government anymore it doesn't have any special authority doesn't have any special powers it's just people doing people things like they can organize, they can cooperate in a million different ways, but nobody has the right to rule somebody else just because, well, fancy pieces of paper and elections and pseudo religious rituals. So I accidentally sort of reasoned my way off the political spectrum entirely. And then the tax thing was actually had nothing to do with the philosophical side. That was just they're lying about what their own laws say. Um, but it's sort of funny because I told a bunch of people, first of all, don't do this. I'm not doing something that's like safe and a surefire win. In fact, I, it really annoyed me how many people sort of sold some tax solution. Just do these magic things and the extortionists will leave you alone. It's like, no, they won't. Like, carjackers <laughs> aren't going to not steal your car because you said magic words. You can be completely in the right. They're still thieves. So I said, A... Don't do this, everybody. Like, I'm trying to be the guinea pig for this. But B, watch what they do, because at the very least, I'm going to make them show themselves for what they are, which is that they don't even care about their own laws and their own system and their own rules and their own due process. They put on a show of all those legislative things in the court. You know, you'll have your day in court and yada, yada, yada. Because it would be harder for them to get away if they, with it if they just told everybody, we do whatever we want to you and you obey or we squash you. And so my, at the least, I was going to demonstrate that, no, that's really their attitude. They don't care about their own laws or due process or what their own courts say or that they, they're thugs. They're thugs and thieves masquerading as like law and order people. And so in that whole back and forth, a lot of people were watching. And the funny thing is a lot of people were watching this thing that's basically about, like, legal specific stuff. And it helped them realize that statism is entirely bogus to the core, even though it had nothing to do with that. Even though it was mm -hmm. just about, you know, the, the actual legal issue of you guys are lying about this. And all the times I met with the IRS and I recorded it and all the ways that the, the courts had to cheat and say – yeah, you have to, like, tell this jury what you believe, but you have to do it without citing anything you've ever said on the subject before. 
And I'm not exaggerating. They did that. They said, anything you've said on the subject before is hearsay. All the meetings you had with the IRS, all the letters you wrote over and over and over again, where they're sitting down and they're admitting, we've never seen this and we don't know why it says that. We'll have to get back to you. The court decided, no, we're going to pretend that's hearsay, which isn't, by the way. Technically, they're wrong, too. But so like, imagine yourself in a position where you're like, okay, explain to somebody and prove to them what you believe about a certain topic, but try to do it without citing anything you've ever said on the topic in your entire life. How am I supposed to prove what I believe if I'm literally prohibited from telling them anything I've ever... Massive letter-writing campaigns, half a dozen recorded meetings with the IRS, back and forth with tax professionals, a bunch of former tax professionals, including former IRS agents and former DOJ prosecutors ending up saying, yeah, Larkin's actually right. Like I looked into it and he's right about the law. They're, they're lying about it. It's like, nope, jury's not allowed to see that. So through the process of them lying and cheating and stealing, a lot of people who were paying attention to me because of those things sort of accidentally along the way realized this system doesn't care about the law, all the games, doesn't care about the constitution. It doesn't care about elections, doesn't care about due process. And care about any of that. It's just putting on a show so that we think that psychopathic thieves are there to serve us. And that kind of sums up Jones Plantation. They put on a show so that psychopathic thieves can better enslave and oppress us by pretending to represent and serve us. And so it's I've been a voluntarist for 27 years now. Um, wow. Luckily, way more people are listening now than we're at the beginning. But it's been a long, weird road. But I'm so thrilled that the, the Jones Plantation has come out because I think it's the most normal person compatible way to talk about these ideas without instantly like alienating and scaring everybody away. Like a lot of normal people have said, this is really thought provoking and I'm not sure what to think of it. But they don't just go, ah, I'm not going <laughs> to. Like they do most of the time. I, I think um, what's happened is people have become so enamored with entertainment in, in order to get their minds off the things that they're stressed about and, and what have you, that this sort of slips past their conscious defenses, like it gets beyond the firewalls and is, um, as Klaus Schwab would say, able to penetrate the the mindset of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... The the control freaks have been doing that forever. I mean, Hollywood's been doing that forever. Here's this entertaining thing, and we're going to throw in things in there about how bootlickers are the ones who will always save the day, and there's no such thing as, like, normal armed people ever saving the day. It's already always representatives of authority, and, like, all their collectivist hogwash from to, like, downright communism. Um, they've done that for many, many decades, and... The beauty is you can do the same thing, but telling truths instead of, you know, entertaining people while lying to them constantly like Hollywood does. You can put truths in there for them to notice and have that be get what gets stuck in their heads while they're being entertained and later think about it. Like, hmm, hmm, maybe we have to sort some stuff out in my view of reality. It's the... Uh, uh, when you have, have this history, as you do... 
history of activism. The one thing that I, I, I found is kind of refreshing about the way that you go about things, at least in the earlier days, it seems, it seems to be a little bit different now, is anger, right? A lot of people are very much against the use of anger, the possession of anger, or the utilization of, of it. And I, I'm a big sci-fi nut, and uh, in this one thing from the foundation of the Warhammer 40k universe, there's this good quote that I thought was uh, good enough to commit to memory. Anger was given to man by the gods so we could protect what was ours. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the thing is, I may be... <laughs> a little more soft-spoken more often these days, but I still do the thing where I'm not going to... There's this weird game that all the politicians play, and if if I can thank Trump for one thing, and there's probably only one thing, because I think he's totally a puppet of the machine, but I liked the fact that he wasn't at all civil, because forever it was a, a whole group of parasitic thieves advocating just evil violence all over the place, whether you're talking about the warmongering or the war on drugs or a hundred other authoritarian things. And they'd always, like, my esteemed colleague has this position. And so we're always supposed to be nice and polite when talking about, like, murderous gangs of parasitic sociopaths. (laughs) And so I think it's actually huge progress for people to be able to say, well, your guy's a lying scumbag. Well, your guy's a lying scumbag. And now the only thing that has to happen is they both have to realize that both guys are lying scumbags. But to to not condemn evil, to sort of describe it politely as, well, it's just my preference or my opinion that it's not okay to, like, murder children around the world year after year. Like, that isn't just sort of a gentle preference. You're freaking evil if you do that. And the whole world should say, you're evil. And you should stop existing if you're going to do that. And so, and it, you know, a, a, a very common sort of general theme is police abuse. And even there, I've seen a big shift in, in you know, the last decade or two, where it used to be people are like, oh, here's this, you know, guy with a badge literally murdering somebody on film. We, we should, like, protest and file a complaint and see if we can get him fired. Like, if you murdered somebody on film, I don't think getting fired would be the end of it. And most of the time, they don't even get fired. And so being able to say they're all the way evil, and when they're being all the way evil, people have a right to forcibly defend themselves, to escalate the defensive force to whatever level it takes. And so many years ago, I I wrote an article, and then it turned into a video called When Should You Shoot a Cop? And predictably, the title made a bunch of people flip out. And I said, well, go watch it and then tell me which part you disagree with. And a lot of people, to their credit, actually watched it and then said, you know, the title made me completely lose my marbles. But then I watched it and, yeah, like at the end of the day, either there's some line at which you say, I don't care if it's law, it's evil and I'm going to resist it, or there's no line and then you're literally a cheerleader for totalitarianism. If there's no point at which you would ever resist, like if you look at Nazi Germany or Red China or you know Soviet Russia, if you think those people should have just petitioned and then went along, okay, you're the problem. <laughs> you're a cheerleader for evil. The only other option is at some point people have to have the moral right 
to disobey and resist. And I don't even tell people where they should draw the line. The, the video just asks the question, do you have a line anywhere? And that sort of goes along with the anger thing. Are we just slaves who are whining about the guy whipping us? Or at some point, do we have the right to grab the whip and yank it out of his hands? And maybe lots worse than that, because we all the way accept that what they're doing isn't okay. It isn't just, well, we're their property, so, I mean, it's up to them. But I would prefer that they not be sadistic lunatics. No, that for humanity to achieve freedom, it has to happen in here first. And most people do not believe in freedom. They believe at the end of the day, if authority says you must do this, they can whine and they can complain and they can vote, but then they're going to comply. And the shift, I wish I was wearing the shirt of mine that says disobedience is the true foundation of liberty, because it totally is. If people at some point don't just say, no, I'm not doing that. And I don't mean I'm going to wait for you to change the law or wait to vote for somebody else. I mean, right now, here and now. I'm not going along with that. And if you try to force it on me, things are going to get unpleasant. Just being able to think that is the main step that has to happen in a lot of people's heads to actually achieve freedom instead of groveling and begging and voting and, and playing the game of the psychopaths as demonstrated in the Joe's playtation where they lay right out. We give them a way to resist us in a way that won't do any good. They can vote, they can petition, they're allowed to complain at the daily meetings, they're allowed to do all these things that don't do any good, as long as they keep obeying. And I, that's one, you know, one of many things in the movie that I hope people watch and go, dang it, that's literally us. Well, I'm going to vote against you in four years if you don't stop murdering children all over the world. It's like, wow, how brave of you. Hide in a booth and press a button in a few years. That's it? That, that's what humanity is capable of? We're going to let these evil psychos do completely evil things and then beg for them to not. And so it's it's really a mental shift in the population that has to change. It's not something that has to be done to the political psychos. They're going to keep being psychos, but their power depends upon their victims imagining them to have authority, imagining they have the right to do this. And that's what. I mean, there's a, there's a quote from Jones Plantation where Mr. Smith says, yeah, you can control a man by brute force for a while, but you cannot truly own a man unless he thinks your word is law and that he must obey and is virtuous for doing so. Yes. This mentality that people have, it's, a, um, it's an entire consciousness shift, uh, ostensibly, that we're trying to foment here isn't it? Like, if you look, for example, at the vast bulk of humanity, what they do with their days, what they do with their thoughts, generally speaking, they are not independent, they are not creative, and they are not hardworking. Now, why is that? And my thoughts is that Essentially, liberty has been taken away from them, the definition of which is somebody can tell you what to do and you can say no and experience no consequences. That's liberty. That, that's how you know you're free. And because this definition and in, indeed this, this consciousness of libertarianism, you know, like fascism or communism, these are, these are belief structures, much like terrorism, 
um, which is a system of government that terrorizes your citizens into going along with your agenda. Thank you very much for that one. Uh, these people, all right, and, and I scarcely believe that it's even uh, called the vast majority of the population people anymore because they have been brainwashed from such a young age to such an extent that the possibility of them reversing their demoralization is actually impossible, uh, at least according to uh, former KGB agent Yuri Bezmenov. Now, uh, recently in New Zealand, and I've got a point when I'm going this, um, uh, recently in New Zealand, uh, we had an election and 1% of the people in voted for uh, what's called a privatition, uh, a lady named uh, Liz Gunn, who wants to do away with all of the things that the state does, do away with unlawful taxation and so on and so forth. And only 1% of the population voted for her. Now, regardless of how we feel about voting, of course, it doesn't change anything. And of course, in this election, it changed absolutely nothing. However, Put a thought in my mind. You remember during the Occupy Wall Street protests how they were railing against the global 1%? What if there's a second global 1% of the opposite ilk? People who are just as intelligent, just as powerful in their own right, and just as committed uh, to the cause of freedom as the evil 1% are to their goals and aims. Is that who we're really trying to find with this film and get activated because the vast majority of people are useless worthless trash and the very very small nuggety goodness of gold is out there and that's what we're trying to uncover and activate isn't it i think there's actually sort of there's there's two levels they're the people who are capable on their own of saying this is wrong and i'm going to stand up and condemn it even if nobody else does that's a tiny percentage of the population um, as we've seen through like all of human history, but it does happen. However, I I'm not even giving up on the the herds of sheep out there because they, as indoctrinated as they are, as much as they've been trained to not think and not doubt and all that stuff, most of them are still trying to be good people. Now they avoid thought like the plague because that makes them uncomfortable. But I think, like, if you look through history, the end of slavery was, like, chattel slavery. <laughs> then it converted to something else. But that was a tiny percentage of the population, the abolitionists coming out and saying, this is horrible, this is evil, we need to end this now, any means necessary. And some petitioned government and some helped slaves escape. But what happened is their determination and their push eventually moved the whole of society over to where they go, yes, yeah, slavery was really bad. Why did we ever do that? Now, 99% of the people who say that today never would have come up with that on their own. If they grew up in a society where there was slavery, which was most of the world through most of history, they never would have been the one to stand up and go, this is wrong. I know it's been done forever, and all of you seem to think it's okay, but it's wrong. They will not be leaders, but they will be followers even in the right direction when the tiny percentage of people who are like, we're not going to put up with this, we're going to speak out of it, we're going to resist, that eventually drags the rest of the herd or almost all of the herd in the right direction. Because of that majority of the population, are any of them now going to stand up and say, you know, I'm for chattel slavery? No, they don't have the spine to stand up for anything in either direction. 
So they can be dragged in the right direction. And there's, what's that quote? Never never doubt that a tireless minority can change the world because it's the only thing that ever has. But we drag the rest of humanity along. And there will come a time, I'm absolutely convinced, don't know when exactly, I actually think it's going to be a lot sooner than a lot of people think, when all of humanity is going to look back to the days when we had rulers with all their scribbles and rituals and stuff and go, what were we thinking the same way most Americans now look at countries with royalty and go, you have a king and queen? Like, what is wrong with you? The whole world is going to look back and go, you had government? You had people who bossed you around and stole your money and you thought that was not only okay, but necessary and legitimate? It wasn't just you were being robbed by the mafia. You voted for them. You thought that was like how humanity had to be. You couldn't think beyond that. But to get there, there has to be that tiny minority that drags the rest of the herd there. Mm-hmm. And I I have every hope that's going to happen. And it's not because all those people know how to think independently, because they don't. But it is because the tiny minority doing the right thing eventually moves, like it's like a little tugboat trying to move this gigantic barge. Eventually it moves when you push hard enough and long enough. And I think we're already seeing that where a bunch of Normal people, people who didn't used to think about the stuff or pay any attention, are now going, yeah, there might be something, like, really fundamentally wrong. Not just, we don't have the right clown on the throne this year, but, like, this whole system may be BS. And so I'm actually very optimistic, more than most people I know, but not because I trust the majority know how to think, just I trust them (laughs) to be capable of being influenced by the tiny percentage that does know how to think. It's a concept that I was talking with. I've got my uh, friend uh, John Ansell here, and he used to do the uh, advertisements for mainstream political parties here in New Zealand. And now he's helping me do some uh, ads for the Vinnie Eastwood show. And the whole concept behind this was how can you get people who just ain't interested to suddenly become interested? And I think that's what we we really are trying to do. We're trying to find that that, uh, small, uh, determined minority that can make things better, that can make things different. Now, unfortunately, that is the uh, end of the show that we've got here. So short and eloquent in its brevity. Jonesplantation.com, ladies and gentlemen. Jonesplantationfilm.com, sorry, is the thing today. Ten US dollars gets you a copy of the film for life. We encourage people to watch the director's commentary and all of that and check out Lark and Rose's work on the One Great Work, ne- work Network that's a One Great Work Network uh, dot com and he has a little uh, thing on there as do I Larkin thank you so much for your time thank you so much for your life's work and thank you so much for having the faith uh, to be good and be an example to those who haven't seen it yet I'm very very grateful for you brother thank you very much See you soon, ladies and gentlemen, at the Vinnie Eastwood Show.com.
to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.